Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, marketing, pop culture, and how to win an Oscar, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I'm Rebecca Stewart, Adweek's Europe brand editor, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Liz Corona, Adweek's community editor. Liz, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Bex. Thank you. I'm excited. We've kind of stayed on theme a little bit with the, you know, award season. Last week we had IMAX. This week we have a really exciting conversation too. So I'm pumped. Yeah, it's going to be good. And yeah, we're continuing the movie theme next week. We have Margot Robbie and Killian Murphy joining us, right? Oh, they're so great. We're just just <laughs> such good friends with them. And I'm just so glad that they're joining us. Um, yeah. and these are all lies, everybody. I'm <laughs> so sorry, but we had to play with you a little bit. But I wish. Get, wish yeah. list. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Margot, please, please um, come and join us. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we do have an exciting episode today and joining us we have Christopher Rosen who is Digital Director at Gold Derby where he hosts a weekly podcast for the brand that covers award season year round. He's got a great job, he gets to go to lots of glitzy award ceremonies and write about them. He previously worked in the editorial at Vanity Fair, TV Guide, Entertainment Weekly and Half Post. And then stay tuned after that chat to hear this week's discussion with Warwick's Awards lead, John Bazell, who'll be telling us all about the 2024 Warwick Awards, why they're so important to the industry and how to win one. But before we jump in, we have a few reminders for you guys. Friendly reminder that our first Ad Week event of the year, Outlook 2024, is on January 23rd in New York. Join Ad Week as we dive into the near future and focus on the key issues that will matter most to the industry. We've got leaders from brands like the New York Times, Paramount, Visa and more, so make sure you get your tickets. That's right. And Super Bowl rapidly approaching. Who's in? Who's out? We've got all the tea. Stay updated regularly. Follow our rolling blog on adweek.com. We have exciting episodes coming up too, so stay tuned. And yeah, we might not have Margot Robbie on next week, but as ever, we would love to hear your suggestions about who and what you want to hear more of on Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. So please send us an email on podcast at adweek.com or get in touch with us on LinkedIn if you have any ideas. 
Without further ado though, let's jump into our conversation with Christopher. Hi Christopher, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're really excited about this episode actually because it's not a topic that I know a lot about. In fact, I think it's a little bit shrouded in mystery so you can help us shine a, a little light on it today. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to talk about um, for your consideration campaigns and for our listeners who are kind of in the weeds of marketing every day, how do these FYC campaigns work? So basically, it is literally for your consideration. The, the goal of these campaigns is to get people who are voting for awards, whether it be the Emmy Awards or the Oscars or the Grammys or any, any number of awards. There's dozens of awards uh, to consider these projects or films or music or whatever for awards. And the idea is to make sure you're kind of really targeting the voters in that capacity, right? So like you want to find, you know, if, if it's a even down to like a guild, which is like, you know, like there's a cinema audio society or any of these guilds, you want to make sure you're targeting the people who are voting in those guilds, right? Who would vote for awards. And that's kind of how it, it kind of works. So it really is a matter of like making sure you're getting the product in front of the right people. And then also you want to make sure kind of like just in general, the for your consideration ads are also publicly facing obviously too. So you get to have you know, film fans or music fans or whatever, especially online, are going to really like be interested in this as well. So it helps. It's just raising awareness and making sure people are are finding out these projects. And certain projects certainly are more visible than others, but it definitely helps either whether it's like a Barbie or like a smaller movie that people maybe have never heard of or not seen. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned these campaigns can be like multifaceted and different depending on like the movie or the, award or the awards um, program. But can you talk a little bit about the different channels that might be used? You know, there's social, there's out of home, there's direct mail, there's PR events. Like which ones are the most effective and which ones are the most commonly used? So all of those are used, so they're all very commonly used, whether it's getting, like, uh, mailers, you know, from the actual move. So, like, now it's, a war like, for 
right now we're in the even though the Emmys are late on Monday, we're still in the middle of like Oscar season, right? So you're getting people are getting screeners or they're getting links to the screeners now because they're not you're really doing as much physical media or they're getting you know a lot of uh, I'm not even a, a voter and I get these things where like a lot of like a fancy very like a coffee table book or anything just to like be like hey remember <laughs> Oppenheimer like I'm gonna forget Oppenheimer but like remember Oppenheimer here's a great book about like all of the detailed production so there is like a lot of that stuff there is a lot of obviously events that are big in the space too and like an FYC event will usually be, you know, they're going to screen the movie and have a Q&A and then there will be a famous person attached to that Q&A. So like for okay. Barbie, for instance, there was recently a big event uh, with like Jennifer Lopez, I think, and America Ferrara or uh, Greta Gerwig did a thing with like Catherine Bigelow or any, any number of these things. So it's like getting – you know, you want to kind of like add something to the movie because a lot of times maybe you've seen the movie already, but maybe you'll go to the event if it's that. So and then getting the right people there as well um, is also, you know, obviously a, a big thing. And I think for me, like what was most effective, you kind of were, were talking about, I would say that is really effective because a lot of this is subjective, obviously. And certainly like when you're picking like the best performance, like my definition of the best would be different from somebody else's. And that's totally a- valid, obviously. But the, so then it goes, the next layer is like the narrative, is what we call it, or like something you're rooting for. So like when you could do an event and you put a face to, you know, or a, a face to the performance or, or, you know, you get to hear someone talk about their work, that actually maybe helps even more than the performance. The performance or the movie or the song or whatever it is has to be good, right, or universally agreed upon as maybe good. But then what is going to get person a person to vote for that for an award you're going to want to maybe vote for someone you like, there's someone you met, someone you're rooting for, someone who has a really great story, uh, all these different things. So I think that from an awareness standpoint, obviously, like the mailers and all these different things are valuable. But I think the in-person, out-of-home stuff is really the key, to me at least, in this to get really maximum uh, FYC juice, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. It's almost like political lobbying a little bit. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's certainly less serious, but I abs- I do think of it in terms of politics a lot because it does turn down to a lot of times, like no matter what. And like we talk about, I talk about this uh, every day, basically in my job capacity, but it is really comes down to people voting for what they like and who they mm-hmm. like. And that doesn't necessarily always agree. It doesn't mean it's going to be the best. It just might be what they like the most. And that's the tricky thing to figure out. And an FYC campaigner and like their the job is to make sure that the voter is really like get people excited to vote for their project, basically. Yeah. And I it's so interesting because a big question of mine, Chris, I always wondered, I'm like, if we're like we non-voters are getting exposed to these for your consideration campaign. So it's like what what you know, what is the goal here? Um, but now I see it's purely an awareness play and, and hype. But my question is, um, who is like the target audience here? So you say voters and everything. So is it like who who is it here? It well, it depends on like so like. It definitely depends on the groups, but for instance, SAG, the SAG or Screen Actors Guild Awards were just announced uh, earlier the, uh, the other day, and um, that would be like you're going to make sure you want to target for that this people in the Screen Actors Guild who are voting, right? And they have like a nominating committee or whatever, but then eventually you're going to have to vote 
with the whole group. Same with the Oscars. So it really is just like who are in these groups. And sometimes there's overlap, obviously, like Meryl Streep is a member of the Academy. She's also a member of Screen Actors Guild, just using her as a major example. So she's going to vote for all these different things. You want to make sure like Meryl Streep knows your movie, I guess, right? Like that kind of thing. So it is that. And then what you were saying, too, about like the awareness factor, people like to vote, I think, and this is, again, anecdotal, but just they want to vote for something that has they don't want to vote for something that is a loser right you want to vote for you want to back a winner and so like you want to back something that people really like or support and so like if you have regular people online like cheering for certain movies uh or projects or shows or whatever or actors that's going to be like oh even if like we like to say like and i think in all general fields like social media doesn't necessarily what happens on social media is not happening in real life and that's true, but I think there is a sense on so if you were like, oh, like all these people are very excited about a certain thing or a certain project, that kind of generates momentum and maybe gets a voter who is on the who hasn't seen the project or wasn't super into it, maybe they find other things to like about it. And we've seen that in recent years, I think, especially at the Oscars, where some a movie like Coda won Best Picture a couple of years ago. And wasn't ne- it was not necessarily ever even thought of as like the big uh, kind of front runner, but people just became really enthusiastic about it and they like kind of snowballed from there. And so that's kind of, I think the real goal is just to get that kind of awareness and that kind of like passion behind it and making sure the voters know that that passion is there. Mm-hmm. And like, as with any award scheme, there's always rules, regulations, um, loopholes too. Are there anything kind of kind of rules that you can talk us through, Christopher? Sorry, you know, like any rules or regulations when it comes to an, an FYC campaign that might be quite interesting. There are definitely rules, uh, and they're probably they're not like you're not allowed to say like, especially for like a specific FYC campaign, you can't like mention. This happened last year, certainly with the Oscars. Uh, there was a big uh, hubbub about uh, Andrea Riseborough was nominated for Best Actress for a small movie called Two Leslie. And there was an investigation into this because she was not really expected to get a nomination. But there was a large push, concerted effort among like a lot of talented actors to raise awareness for her right when Oscar voting started. And the way Oscar voting works is not to get too much in the weeds here. So you could definitely cut me off. This is too much in the weeds. But for example, (laughs) in this case, on Oscar voting, each branch votes for their specific category. And so there are let's say 1,200 members of the Academy who are actors, and those 1,200 members just vote for the actors. And that's how the people get nominated, and they do a ranked choice ballot. So the top person who has the most first place votes or has a lot of first place votes, even if they don't appear on a lot of ballots, has an advantage. And so the speculation or the informed, you know, I guess, I don't even know. Informed speculation, it would be that Andrea Riseborough, for this very small movie, did not appear on a lot of ballots, but she appeared on a lot of ballots at number one because there was a big push to get her in. And that was how she got in over more popular and more widely expected contenders like Viola Davis that year for The Woman King, which was a much bigger movie than this small movie to Leslie. Anyway, in there, and even this happened with Michelle Yeoh too, the, the, it, within the actual – like people – advocating for the movie is allowed like a a actor who's not being paid can do it but if the there is a studio campaign or something like that they're not allowed to be like vote for this person over this person and this became a thing last year and they did an investigation into this because uh, an actress named Frances Fisher was posting on her Instagram about Andrea Riseborough and was like hey 
we know that Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh and Viola Davis are going to get nominated. So if you're an actor, maybe put uh, Andrea Riseborough number one on your ballot, and that would help her get nominated. And that's really not necess- – that's – let's say she wasn't part of the campaign, Francis Fisher, but that was frowned upon. And so, like, that's not allowed. There are certain rules. And there's probably dozens of other rules that I don't even know about. But the idea is to try to be like you want to make sure it's focused on your project and not, like, trashing another project. So, like, Michelle Yeoh, I think, had didn't trash anything else but was, like – I think she mentioned another – I think she mentioned Kate Blanchett or something in one of her Instagram posts and ended up taking it down and not even saying it in a – a derogatory way or anything. It just is like, they don't want to like, you can't say like vote for me and not for her basically. Not that that necessarily happened with Michelle Yeoh. But, uh, so those are all the rules and there are like everything else. And especially again, cause it's not as serious as politics. They kind of probably pretty fungible, (laughs) I would say, but, uh, you know, like there are certain rules that they try to follow. That's fascinating. Cause I, I was wondering what I had seen like all that chatter, but I was so confused as to like why it was such a big deal. Um, Now, um, obviously, we're dying to know, like, what your favorite campaign is. But before that, like, um, because that's going to be I have thoughts, too. But, um, you know, we Rebecca, it was interesting while we were doing our research for this, like Rebecca saw that there's actually roles created specifically to coordinate and run these for your consideration campaigns. So can you tell us a little bit about that and like what kind of experience is needed there? Like I'm assuming a combination of like film and marketing expertise. Like what what is that role like? Yeah, it's. I think it's mostly like film and marketing and even public relations, right? Like and that's kind of like who's maybe guiding these campaigns. And again, it's really the thing that's interesting about like this field. And I keep saying this, but it is very subjective, right? So like a movie, a studio might have four movies, let's say, or five movies or three shows that they're very excited about and think have a lot of awards potential. And I think they like look at them like this movie has, you know, this would be our awards play and this is like our audience play. But you don't actually really know until it comes out. And even if you're focused on like, you know, even if you're focused on the one project, another one could organically pop up and then you kind of have to pivot. So there is a matter of, I think, you know, like you said, like film background, like knowing what's going to be good and like working with the the studios on that. And also like a PR background because you need to make sure you're like doing the proper PR things. And a lot of the studios also, you know, outsource a lot of the awards. They have internal, obviously, uh, awards consultants and everything and then they also have there's like pr groups that do this too that work with different films and it's they are kind of like experts in that field so they'll like be hired to you know make sure that certain actors are appearing on doing interviews and doing the right kind of interviews and making sure they're like you know like or doing events or get people the right people invited to the events and stuff like that so it is kind of like very specific skill set, I would say. And even journalists, I know, like, who have entered into that space as well, right? Because it's like, if you are a journalist, or maybe you, you know, tired of working in this in this great field of media, maybe there is a world for you where you can go to work <laughs> we are tired. Uh, on the other side of it, right? <laughs> How you know I get I mean? that like, job? like <laughs> yeah. use your expertise on the inside, uh, because you know how it works from the outside. So... Yeah, it was, that was really interesting to me when I was doing some Googling around this because in the kind of advertising world, we have a consultants, like awards consultants within agencies too, um, whose whole year revolves around things like Can Lion and mm-hmm. the Cleos and DNAD. So it's not too dissimilar in that respect. 
No, not at all. It's a very, very similar. Yeah. And um, yeah, as Liz said, we're dying to hear your kind of predictions uh, for the <laughs> upcoming awards season. If, if you could share any uh, specifically around the Oscars and the SAG awards, as you mentioned. Um, well, for this season, I think I've been like, you know, I think the the favorites are certainly like Oppenheimer and Barbie. And those are like the big movies and, and poor things. I think I've been campaigns and stuff that I've been really interested in, I think. One is for, for Killers Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which is an Apple movie Martin Scorsese uh, directed. And they've really done a great job, I think, of making the, – the star of that film is Lily Gladstone, who is a very, very talented actress who maybe was not as widely known before this movie. She had appeared in obviously a lot of other smaller indie projects. So this is like her big studio kind of debut. And she has really emerged as a frontrunner to win – Best Actress, and that has been because of, I would say, not just her incredible performance, and the film is obviously incredibly high profile, but I feel like Apple has done a great job of making sure, you know, people are aware of her, and this this film debuted, or premiered at the Cannes Film Festival back in May. So from May to now, we're in January, uh, the, the drumbeat has been focusing on her performance and her campaign and the historic nature of her nomination is she'd be like one of the, you know, the she could be the first native actress to win best actress uh, and all these great, there's a lot of great storylines there in addition to just her performance. And I think when I look at how they've really handled that, she's out front in everything. And this is a movie that has Leonardo DiCaprio in it. And I think a tweet about this went viral. He's going to all of these events and standing on red carpets, things that he doesn't usually do or like, but he's making sure he's always next to her and like kind of elevating her. And I feel like all of this is part of like a concerted campaign to make sure voters are aware that she is the focus of the film and that she is someone worth paying attention to. And at this point, I mean, that is she is very widely, I think the movie is very widely seen and she has been like become like a, one of the stars of this award season. She's won you know, she won at the Golden Globes on Sunday. She's nominated the uh, Screen Actors Guild Award. She's won a lot of Critics Awards and all these things. So that one has really worked, I'd say, for this season. And I'm excited to see how far they could take it uh, with the Oscars coming. That's fascinating because, you know, as you talk about it, I didn't even think that this is like a long game of a of a strategy, you know, like just the way that they were presenting it right from the beginning. Um, and that it's so strategic because, you know, on the outside, you get distracted by the Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio there, you know, on the movie posters. Um, but it, it's so refreshing to see that kind of change in strategy. Now, We've seen other non-traditional kind of campaigns. So, for example, Abbott Elementary. Um, I love that they did this. They don't, you know, them, the production team and Quinta, they decided to donate some of their funds to teachers, um, which I'm sure that was not a marketing play, but it worked in their favor, I feel, because it was such a like an organic play and it was just very genuine and really supports like the ethos of the show. So I just wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts there or any favorite past campaigns that you've seen? I think that one is great. And I think exactly what you said there, that it does feel very in, within the ethos of the show. I always go back to Melissa Leo, who did her own campaign uh, for the movie The Fighter. Um, she was an actress who was very veteran actress and um, kind of like was a contender for supporting actress. This is back in probably 2011. And she took her own ads out, paid for her own. That was like, and it was a big picture of her standing, like staring right at the camera. And she's like, consider. 
And that's all it said. And it is like a famous thing that like, because a lot of times, you know, maybe the studios aren't going to certain like, like I was saying, a lot of these things are maybe preordained. And sometimes you get an organic success that's different from what they've already allocated their funds for or what they're allocating their resources on. Um, and with that one, maybe she was not the main focus point. The movie had Amy Adams and Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. And so Melissa Leo took it upon herself to like bet on herself basically. And she ended up winning best supporting actress at the Oscars. And I know at the time, I think people maybe were like a little goofing on it because it's like, is it gauche to like actually be like, yes, I want you to consider me for a award personally, but it worked in her case. Right. And I think it was like showing that she had confidence in herself and so always great. I like when I, I, I like when there's stuff like that, when it's like a little off the when it's a little more unexpected or whatever. And I think that one is a really good one. I've never yeah. seen that. I'll need to look that up. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, because like in, in our research, I saw like some famous like for your consideration campaigns were like Ozark, what you know, got a lot of um, juice last time because they did some stunts. But I think it all goes back to your earlier point about just like experiential and just kind of doing these stunts that will get people talking. Yeah, it definitely is. And you want again, you, the people like want to like they want to vote. It, we like to think it's just. Because it's art, it's different than like anything really, right? So it's very subjective and they like what people want to vote for something they like and someone they like and that sometimes helps. But then there are also people like another fam a famous one that's not a campaign uh, was the actress Monique who won Best Supporting Actress for the movie Precious. She very famously refused to campaign. That kind of became her campaign, that she refused to do any of the Q&As or any of anything because she was like, I did this great performance and the performance should speak for itself. And if you're going to vote for me, you should vote for me because of that and not because of something I did at a cocktail party or whatever. And that was like kind of like against what everybody usually does. But she ended up winning uh, a Best Supporting Actress Oscar as well. And that's another very famous kind of like instance of this industrial complex kind of like going against that industrial complex, I guess. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And it kind of leads on to like another thought that we had and wanted to ask you about, which is around like the value of awards now. So this is something that comes up time and time again in our industry too. Like the recognition is good, but viewership is kind of down um, across all award shows these days. But I mean, like how, how coveted as you know, as an Oscar still like within the industry to do people still want one? I guess they do. <laughs> they definitely want one. Even if they say they don't want one, they definitely want one. I think within the industry, it's very coveted. I think the ratings having really crumbled is just indicative of across all these shows is that I think it's like with everything, there used to be much more of a monoculture and now mm -hmm. there's just not. And so people, the people who watch the Oscars are going to be very much focused on the Oscars and are fans of the Oscars. And maybe in the past you would have gotten a lot of people who didn't care and just tuning in out of obligation or just because it was something to do. And now those people who don't care as much have a million other things they could do. So I think it does still matter from that aspect of it where it's like the people who, you know, it's the, the audience who cares about it definitely cares about it a lot. And that's that has a value, even if it's not as much of a broad value. And then within the industry, yeah, like the winning an Oscar, usually it depends. It doesn't always guarantee that you'll get like a lot of chances, but the hope, I guess, and it depends again, <laughs> is that you win and all of a sudden, or even just get nominated, and then all of a sudden you're put into an a, uh, a bigger, you know, a bigger stratosphere. You're going to get bigger projects or get to work with bigger people than you had previously, and that doesn't always work, obviously, because like we've seen, 
you know, certainly and especially a lot of Best Actress winners. I'm thinking of like Halle Berry, someone who won a Best Actress and was a historic Best Actress win as a, as a black actress. And then, you know, her career after that win was not as big as maybe it should have been. And there's a, many reasons for that of certainly like, you know, systemic racism and all these different things. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't always doesn't always guarantee something, but you kind of really do want to have that because that's always going to follow you as an actor or director or performer or anything. And they'll always be like the first line of your obituary. And so like it matters, right? Like you're always going to be an Oscar winner. They can't take that away or an Emmy winner. Nobody's going to take that away most likely from you. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> depends. It, uh, unless, unless you get canceled. Unless you I was get thinking canceled. that. I was like, yeah. I was like There's always a uh, people star. who get canceled, you're done. But, uh, yeah. you know, a good upstanding person, no, you, will carry with you for the rest of your life. So it does matter. Yeah. I mean, Will Smith he still did. won an Oscar oh, after God. literally did. Uh, slapping sure someone did. on stage. Uh, so... so. <laughs> Um, it's so interesting that point you make about audience frag like fragmentation and there's no longer this monoculture because I'm in the UK um, but I watched like all of the Golden Globes mm-hmm. on Twitter and YouTube like every kind of clip or speech I saw was on one of those platforms I didn't try and tune into it on, on cable or anything like that so yeah I think you're right audiences will kind of maybe it's more about audiences like seeking out the people they want to hear from and, and see accepting and stuff yeah. but most important question Christopher do you get to go along to any of the, the glitz uh, yes, and awards I, I've never I, I've gone to the Oscars once which is team. a lot of fun um and I've gone to different events uh certainly and there are a lot of like and I've hosted events like I, I earlier this year I hosted a or I guess late last year because we're in early January I hosted an event uh for the SAG Awards for Ted Lasso and what it was was a similar kind of like thing we're talking about here where it was the entire it was a SAG event so Screen Actors Guild so everyone in the audience was a member of or no somehow connected to the Screen Actors Guild some of them voters uh and f- there was a screening of the show and the finale and then a giant Q&A that I hosted with like 12 people from the Ted Lasso cast, including like Jason Sudeikis and Hannah Waddingham and all like the major people that you're probably familiar with if you watch the show. And then afterwards, there was like a small event. And it was, again, like to get, even though that's a show in its third season, one of the most popular shows uh, currently probably uh, um, airing, it was, again, to get people to be like, hey, you know how I love Jason Sudeikis? He's great as, as Ted or, you know, and a lot and like getting it's like a mingling event. So that is, you do get invited to them and it's kind of fun to see like, oh, and I like going to these things, too, because then you could talk to people who are actual voters because we could sit in my field is like a lot of speculation and informed speculation or whatever. But you don't really know what a voter is. You don't really know what's going to happen. But when you get to talk to the voters and find out what they're feeling and thinking, that helps. So it is fun to get to go to these swanky events but also because you're a journalist you always feel like you know i'm like all right here i am <laughs> they don't want yeah. me here but <laughs> it's fine I'll- <laughs> yeah and every everyone you speak to at these events yes like, and this is off the yeah. record it's yes. like i yes. know we're at yes. an event exactly. yeah you have right. to preface fine. the conversations um <laughs> i'm sorry chris i thought of one more question we yeah, were go like gonna no, that's get fine. ready to let you go but yeah, yeah. um <laughs> this has been so fun so i was just thinking um in terms of brands showing up at these awards so we've seen a lot more from brands in the last few years like producing this really incredible content that's not necessarily it's not even heavily branded but they're putting forth this really great content so for example we had johnson and johnson with their 5b film about nurses um 
And then most recently, we had the editor-in-chief of We Present, which is We Transfer's, you know, artistic mm-hmm. department or, you know, part of their company. She just wrote a voice piece on creating in a meaningful content. So and they won an Oscar for their work with Riz Ahmed, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts there on brands showing up? Like, is this what are you hearing on your side of the industry? Like, is this something that's kind of being welcomed or is it like, no, advertising, stay out of here? You know, like what what does that sound like? I don't I think. I don't think I don't think there is as much of like a stay out of here as maybe there would have been like even like five years ago. I think they're like the brands having the brands in there uh, and like, I don't know, this may be not what you're thinking, but I just thought of like I was thinking of like Barbie and Mattel and Mattel has been like so forward, obviously, with Barbie and like they've been talking like. Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, who started and produced, and Greta Gerwig obviously co-wrote and directed uh, the film, have been, like, openly talking about how they collaborate with Mattel. And I kind of think it's, like, maybe in the past that would have been gauche again to use that, or just, like, like no creative person wants to talk about this. But, like, no, I think they actually – it's okay now. I think because it's just a different – I think people are more comfortable with, like, the brands being a little more involved, certainly. I don't know. I don't think it's, like – as much of verboten as maybe it was. Yeah, I feel like brand, just brands in general, it's like so mainstream now. Like, you know, you hear like the younger generations talking about their own personal brands and all that. And I just, you know, this is part of like everyday conversation at this point. And yeah, I, I totally even forgot that basically Barbie was a whole big Mattel commercial, but <laughs> it, it is, was right. just such a great film, you know, like you didn't yeah. even think of that. So yeah, yeah I, I, I was just curious. Yeah, no, I think that definitely matter. It definitely it's just a different time, I think. And like you said, like everybody's their personal, your personal, everything is a brand now. So it's like, it's fine. I think basically yeah. like even the, the the brand, like Marvel movie, everything is a brand and like everything is like kind of IP. So it's fine. Yeah. So cool. Oh my gosh. This was so great. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, yeah, we could probably so talk to you fun. about this for hours, but we'll let you go with your <laughs> okay. day. It's, you're Thank busy. You. I, <laughs> and anytime you want to have me back and talk about this stuff, I can talk about it for hours as well. So it's fine. <laughs> so great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Bex. Um, this has been a great conversation. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We're back with our friend, John Bazell, awards lead at Warwick. Hello, John. Hey, good to be back. (laughs) Um, You're a regular now. I mean, I think we should just come on all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be waiting for my royalty checks to clear everyone. (laughs) We're waiting on ours too. I love it. Um, Yeah, we're Um, well, John, we welcomed you back and, you know, we've, we've had some great conversations with you for the first one, you know, two episodes ago, we heard about what the work words were about and essentially they're about measuring effectiveness, right? Correct. Went over some deadlines. You had some great advice for entrants on how they can stand out. Now we want to know who are judging this year's entries. Can you, um, tell us who is involved and why they're excited to be there? Absolutely. Uh, like, I know everybody who runs awards says this, but we've got some really brilliant people involved for, for 2024. At the time of recording, I think we've only announced the jury chairs, so I'm going to stick to those, but there are 15 of them, so uh, plenty of uh, uh, people to talk about. And each of our regions, we have five regions that you can enter in, uh, Asia Pacific, Europe, Latin America, Middle East and Africa, and North America. Each of those regions has three juries. So there are 15 chairs of those juries across the world. Um, And 
the juries themselves will be made up of lots of different people from the sector, agencies, independents, but our chairs tend to always come from brands. So um, there are some great names here for 2024. We've got senior marketing leaders from Ambev, SCT, Lenovo, uh, Telcom in Africa, as well as NBC Universal, uh, amongst lots of others. So some really great reps from those companies. And I've interviewed most of them now for the Walk site. So if people follow the link in the show notes, they'll be able to get to those interviews. And those are really good content if you're entering because the judges talk a lot about what they're hoping to see. So if you're is putting an entry towards a category that that chair is looking at, then you can um, get some really useful info there. Um, as to why they're excited to be involved, I think like for some of them, particularly those from, let's say, Latin America or even um, South Africa, where we've never had specific awards before at Walk, they're really keen to bring that rigor and authority that Walk represents to recognizing the great work that's happening in their region. You know, it's all about them being able to say what we're doing here is of the same quality and consistency as what's happening elsewhere in the world. And we want to compete on that, that mm -hmm. same level. Um, and I think for others, for, for, for some of the other chairs, you know, it's just a great opportunity for them to see some real quality case studies. These are all mostly CMOs for these brands. They want to see the exciting things that other brands are doing and you know let's face it they want to see what other agencies to the ones that might be on their roster are up to for sure and um like ever listeners want to get their work in front of this esteemed panel how can they do so john so to if you want to enter uh, the awards follow the link in the show notes you'll find all of the deadlines as well as the entry pack and a link to the submission system but one of the other things i wanted to say is if any of your listeners are interested in being involved as judges for the awards i love <laughs> a volunteer so find my contact details on that page and get in touch we've already mostly lined up the majority of our juries for 2024 but you know sometimes people have to drop out before the judging starts um and and we may need to fill those places and if not we'll definitely keep you in mind for the future so this is a great opportunity for me to try and grab some of those <laughs> ad week listeners and and get them into the fold to judge for us in the future <laughs> love it and then um <clears throat> Thank you, John. That was so helpful. Can you remind us of the final deadlines? I believe at this point we are past the early bird deadline, possibly. But can you remind us of deadlines? Yes. We have passed the early bird, but you can still enter. So the final deadline is the 6th of February. Um, so you can submit your entries through the online portal by then. Great. Thank you so much, John. Looking forward to chatting with you again. And thank you, listeners. And thank you, Bex. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, 
forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.